You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Remember, remember the 5th of November, Sid Talk. What about it? It's, you have to remember it. Remember, but it's, not, but it's not today. No, but you still have to remember it. I always remember it. You know why? Because it's two days before a very important day. So the 5th of November leads to the 6th, leads to the 7th. So yeah, I always remember it. Or were you talking about something else? The gunpowder plot. Yeah. The guy who wanted to revolt against a nasty government. Shame on him. The thing is, right, Americans Mm -hmm. don't really know about Guy Fawkes and the gunpowder plot. But soon, because of HBO, Mm. they're going to learn about it through the uh, actor... Jon Snow. Jon Snow. Well, that's not the actor's name. <laughs> Kit Harrington is going to be doing a... Is this the air before the after the show discussion? It is. No, you, it no is, it isn't. Because you it just is. brought it up. Because it is. Well, I made this. This is... My... Yeah, this isn't before. This is the after the before the after the show discussion. <laughs> anyway, BBC uh, uh, made a show called The Gunpowder Pot. Actually, it's just called Gunpowder. And it stars Kit Harrington and Liv Tyler. And in um, in the States, it's actually coming out on HBO. So soon, you Americans will be able to understand what we mean by remember, remember the Some 5th of November. Some of us do already know. And it is not, while it is a good movie, V for Vendetta is not the story of the gunpowder plot. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because that's the other introduction to the 5th of November. Yep. Anyway, what is the before the after the show discussion that is not this? Hmm... You were uh, <laughs> making a sample of something I was saying. You were recording me unbeknownst to me. Probably illegal in some places. And then you sampled it with a little bit of a drum beat. I did. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> you were saying some God, God, Satan, Satan. I was just saying like, oh my goodness. It's like an epidemic of this like, I don't know. There's these, okay, I'm not a godly person. I don't believe in anything. So don't, you know, if that pisses you off, that's fine. But I mean, I don't believe in anything. Ghosts, goblins, witches, warlocks, gods, spirits. Yes, weird shit's happened in my life that I can't explain, but that doesn't equal some mystical weird shit, right? So I just don't have that. I love people who do believe in all of it. That's cool. However, when someone says, Satan had a firm grip on me today when my car broke down, but Jesus was there to save me when I made it to the, whatever the hell the name of the store was to get her car part. And I'm like, I don't. I don't even know how to address that. And it's epidemic. It's like every time I go on my Facebook or talk with people that I do love, it's like I'm out over here on the edge and I just don't get it. So I was saying to you, this guy, God, 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 Satan, 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 Satan. And you were recording me and suddenly you made a little clip of that. True. <laughs> so it is Saturday, November the 4th. This is after the show number 504. And the movie we're looking at this week, because we are a re- movie review podcast. We and, are. Uh, this week's movie is Atomic Blonde. It's a 2017 movie. Releases on Blu-ray on the 14th of November. So this is an early look. It's rated R, and it's from our friends at Universal. And Sid Talk will give you a qu- you know quick synopsis of Atomic Blonde. It's like uh, you know before the wall came down in Germany in Berlin, the sort of like movie spy stuff. She's a kind of a spy, and um, 
Yeah. I'm going to mail that off to <laughs> Universal and they Have can use on that the on the box. Yes. Well, it's just spy shit. Like, it's movie spy shit. Not based on reality. There you go. That's it. That's the quote, Universal. And it's the woman is the, the lead spy person up against it in a very shifty kind of environment. I think that kind of sums it up. All right. So, um, Atomic Blonde, based on a graphic novel from England, of all places, called <laughs> The Coldest City. Um, I was just having a look at it, actually, the graphic novel, because they let you look at the first ten pages on Amazon. Looks kind of cool, but um, most of the reviews I read were like, the movie is far better than the graphic novel, which is usually the other way around. So I still have to see yeah, the graphic novel. Yeah, who to reviews? I still have to uh, read the graphic novel, though, because it does look, it's got really cool art style. So um, Atomic Blonde, um, it's not like, um, like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy or anything like that. It's not like a serious... It has more in kind of common with something like Kingsman, maybe, but but not as funny. And not wacky like that. Yeah, not wacky, but it's more stylized than something like, and it, and it's not based on truth in any way. It's it's like a it's an action movie at its heart, right? It is made. It's yeah, by, absolutely. It's by the director. It's a spy movie. That's exactly what I said. The original direct the director actually co-directed John Wick, and it does have kind of. A similar vibe to that. It's it's really. See, did you like this film? Let's start with that. yes. Yeah, and I like this film too. It has a eighties vibe. I like the vibe of um, the Cold War and the Berlin Wall being pulled down around that. It's all around that era. Well, it's actually right exactly in that era. And um, like it says at the beginning, it tells you about the the wall is about to be pulled down, but then it says this isn't that story. And it isn't the story of the Berlin Wall is just a backdrop for it. But um, the action. Now, this is if I, you know, I really like this movie. It has really cool music, good action scenes. But I think the pot, the plot is pretty flimsy. Mm, yeah, it's the same thing you get a lot. I mean, like both. John Wick. Yeah, it has a pretty flimsy plot, and I feel like the the plot is, you know, secondary to action. Like, it's really an action movie. And, um, yes, there's a plot here with a couple of twists and turns, but nothing that's going to surprise you, right? I wasn't surprised by, you know, the big reveal no. at the end or anything. It was just all kind of by the numbers. I feel like I've seen that kind of thing before. But the style of the movie, I think, elevated it above some other ones, you know? I agree. And Because I was into it. Yeah, it's... I cared about how each thing turned out, and each person that I met cared or was curious to see how that was going to go. The decisions each person made was not a surprise, but it was just executed in a way that kept me, like, on the hook, which doesn't always happen. No. And I'm not saying it's because it's high quality, but there's just something there that, you know, I'm not a fight person, and no. I'm not a car chase person, however... Once I saw, well, there was one fight scene in uh, from Russia with Love in the train early on, right? Bond. Yeah. I really liked that one. And there was another one in Bond really early. And Daniel Craig did a couple of good ones. And then we had, well, before Daniel Craig would have been born. And that's when I was like, okay. Yeah. Some people can do fight scenes that I enjoy or that I'm like stimulated by or interested in. And this one. 
there is a definite like holy shit like i'm not i'm not seeing the weird like stage actorly oh that yeah. a lot of the stunt people do i mean it was just executed in a way that i was like every punch you could hear and every slam and they were tired and, and i don't these- know. I'm not a huge violent person. I don't like violence necessarily. And this is, you know, gratuitous. It's unnecessary to show a 15 minute fight scene. However, I was in it and I was like, oh, you know, yeah, I appreciate that. Like if like another film we saw this year, John Wick 2 and John Wick, actually, Mm -hmm. both of them. Um, When I started to watch John Wick and it it became clear that it was just a series of um you know, uh, him. I'm just going to say Bill and Ted. It's just a series of Bill and Ted shooting at people Neo. and knifing people <laughs> in the throat, basically over and over and over again. And that sounds really like it, it might be fun for ten minutes, and then you kind of get bored of it. But there's something about the way John Wick was presented, and the second one as well, that it was different enough each time that you were like, "Wow, yeah, he's really kicking ass," and I'm really behind him because. The motivation that John Wick had, you know, they killed his dog for Christ's sake. I know. Got to get him all back. Yeah. So I was... And then burned down his house. Right. So <laughs> Charlize Theron Oh, no, this, sorry. That was Transporter. Um, she, in the first one. That was the mechanic as well, wasn't it? True. So Charlize Theron in this, she's, um, you know, she's a, she's a spy. She's not been wronged like, um, you know, John Wick has. Not that we know of. No. But then there's double crossing and all this stuff. Yeah, it's a little more pure as in nobody, we don't get any backstories. We get a hint at a backstory relationship maybe, but nothing extensive and no like broken heart or it's all very clinical, but I kind of like that. And then usually if I say these people are two-dimensional or we haven't flushed them out or have no backstory, it, it irritates me. However, again, there's enough done on the screen with the music with the vibe everything's filled in so my mind isn't wandering to like i don't even know this guy like why is he a crazy fucker like i don't i would wonder that in a movie where it's less you know lesser of a movie but this everything's just it just keeps rolling and i'm i'm in the quality of everybody's performances makes a huge difference i think I actually thought there was some dodgy dialogue, and it was mostly in the interview room that she was in. Yeah, I agree. It sounded like graphic novel pages being read. Absolutely. Um, It didn't bother me too much, because I was aware that it was a graphic novel kind of a telling of a graphic novel. Yeah. But yeah, there was a bit of dialogue where she was presenting it, and I was like, oh, this is a bit. But then when she gets into the field, and it's not her being interviewed... Because this whole movie's set up in that way. She's being debriefed. It's um, framed, as we like yeah. to say in the movie it's, business. Uh, it's hello, uh, it's business. time for a debriefing. And the debriefing is the story that you actually you know, see throughout. For most of it. But she's uh, fine. It was all fine once it got out of that room. But in that room at the beginning, I was kind of a bit, ooh. There's some ropey dialogue. Trying too hard. Yeah, it doesn't sound like people talking to each other. It sounds like people saying cool shit to each other, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's how it felt. So I had a little problem with that, but then it kind of went away. And once it got into her, you know, fighting and... Actually, the characterization of her was quite good, too. It's quite good setup if they, they are going to make another one of these. 
Um, but it's quite like, you know, it's not really her origin story, is it? Because she's already in the thick of it. Correct. She's, um, you know, it's not telling how she became what she is. It's, no, here she is. She's a spy. And she kicks people's ass and she's obviously highly trained. We don't know how or why. Maybe we do at the end. But um, the action sequences, I just want to mention, there's some action sequences in here that are absolute, if you like action, worth watching this movie just for these action mm-hmm. sequences. And one of them is this one take. Which, but don't watch with the kids. No. They do like a, it's like a 15 minute, and he said it was a one take scene, but when I read on IMDb, they say it isn't a one take scene. It uses some CG to go through doorways, mm. which is exactly what we, do you remember that movie we watched with? Yeah. About the house, and it was supposed to all be in one take, but, but the, it wasn't either. It wasn't. They used CG to do, apparently this whole, this sequence was CG cheated in a way. But whatever it is, it comes across as a one-take thing. And it's you literally walk into this apartment building with the camera behind her and you go through this series of fights and it just stays with her and you really feel, like in Bourne, that you're being pummeled. Like, it's just... It's gratuitous. There's blood. There's people getting stabbed in the neck. There's grunting. Lots of grunting. There's a lot of grunting. There's a lot of her getting punched in the... She doesn't... It's not like she's invincible. She gets a, quite a it's lot of punches. It's not knocked out of her. Yeah. And then it, this whole sequence just keeps going and going. Then it takes a, it goes into this room, takes a little break for a second. Then they start fighting again. And they go down some stairs. And then it turns into a car chase. And it all feels like one thing. It's awesome. Like it, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen, the whole thing. It was just, you know, like one of the best action sequences I've seen. Also, another action sequence in, in here... Towards the beginning. Uh, what was the other one that was really... Um, uh, it's all... well, the car was pretty interesting, because it's like right off the bat, you're like, whoa. <laughs> right at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, with the car. Yeah. Um, it's just really, like, like, there's a lot of neon lights. There's a lot of, like, really cool, like, framing in this movie. It's obvious they're, like, graphic novel pages. You know when she's... You know when she's sat there in a room and she's got that, like, top on with boy written on it? Yeah, yeah. It's quite clear that that is a page. All of it. Yeah, there's yeah. very many of those scenes set yeah. up that way. Where it just looks like, you know, a cool shot. Like, there's a lot of that. Um, there's not a ton of originality to the the plot itself, I don't think. I agree. I do feel like because I've seen... Because the thing, if we're going to do the spoiler... Mm, probably not the spoiler for okay. the end. No, not the end. Oh. The plot is... Very common. It is. Here's the here's the plot. So this is a spoiler. So if you want to go watch it, go watch it and then come back and listen. But uh, let's just, I can say three lists or three words, four words. <laughs> <laughs> a list of spies. Right? Yes. That's it. There's a list of spies oh, now yes. that's out into the loose, oh, it's and somebody bad's gonna get a hold of it and and reveal all of our operatives and all of our people. How many fucking movies have done this, it including in James Bond and Bourne and Bond? Yeah, lots of them. Now, oh, it, it, Salt. It was in Mission Impossible, also. Yep. <laughs> so it's not like <laughs> that, as soon as that cropped, I'm like, okay. But then I was right back on board. I was like, okay, whatever. I'll go with it. 
Yeah, the the list of is is the list that will ruin everybody. So like, you need to go and get it before our enemies do. That is literally, yeah, that is the plot, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The whole plot. Um, but I, some would say that's just parallel to the actual the the story is really about a struggle of her her and blah blah blah. But yeah, uh, yeah and the, who can you trust? And but the, again, who can you trust in a spy movie? That's all spy movies. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh, there's a guy who seems all right. Oh, turns out he's not. Oh, there's a woman who seems fine. Usually turns out they're not. So, um, yeah, I, as a whole package though, with the 80s music, it's set in the 80s, with the backdrop of the Cold War and with the cool action sequences, it completely is, it works. Like it's, I almost like it better than John Wick. It's got, you know, John Wick's all about guns, shooting people, like, over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. She kind of does shoot some people, but she mostly kicks people's asses. Kicks people's asses with high heels on, generally. Oh, yeah, that sequence as well, where she um, took her uh, shoes yeah, off. Yeah, that's, that's the first one. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the very beginning where he gets where the car hits him. Oh, and no. flips over. No. You know? uh, yeah. So... Yeah, I almost like it liked it better than John Wick because it was didn't it had a lot didn't, of variety. Yeah, it didn't devolve into just like literally shooting for fifteen minutes, bang, bang, bang. Because that's what John Wick does, right? He walks in a room and shoots every single person in that room. He might do a few karate moves, but she like uses the environment. Like she's got like a what was that wrapped around her? A rope or a, a hose? Yeah, a hose. Like, and I did read. Well, I listened to Howard Stern had her on. And she was talking about this movie, and she said she that her and the choreographers for the movie wanted to like a lot of people poo poo at like movies where women kick men kick big burly men's asses, like mm-hmm. and they go well, there's no way um, like a hundred pound woman could beat this five hundred pound or three hundred pound guy up, like the weight difference would just and she she was like well we wanted to come across with things like you know she would. Punch them in the throat, or just use a lamp to and bash them over the head. Like anything, if you punch anybody a certain way, yeah, no matter what, it's going to hurt them. And she does that a lot. Like she's kicking them in the balls, she's punching them in the throat, sometimes stabbing them in the throat. But it's not all gunplay. In fact, the gunplay is relatively few and far between. Right? There's mm-hmm. a little bit, tiny bit of it. So it's more of a kind of. It's not martial arts either. It's just like ass kicking. They're just like. Whatever way you can kick them, and whatever way you can punch them, that's the way she's going to do it. So, um, moving on to the cast of this movie, Charlize Theron plays Lorraine Broughton. I love the name Lorraine. Not many characters are called Lorraine. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? True. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm on board with a lady called Lorraine. <laughs> Tell them why. My mother was called Lorraine, or still is. Well, she's, she's always called she's no longer with us, <laughs> she never but she, yes, that was her name. So that yeah. probably was like, oh, Yeah. And I would like to believe my, this, my mother would be as tough as this lady. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, again, when I say that um, this character, Lorraine Broughton, isn't a superhero, she kind of is, because she's pretty badass. Like, she just, um, you know when she's lying in the bath full of ice cubes? Mm-hmm. That's something I've seen in another movie, too. Mm-hmm. When you're really bruised up and you lie in the ice, but uh, well, that's just a life thing. Yeah, 
a list of spies being loose to the public isn't, or whatever, isn't really a life thing. But soaking sore muscles in ice is pretty common. So the last time we saw Char- Charlie's was in um, The Last Face, which was um, the movie, Sean Penn's movie. Um, and it was artistic and a little bit pretentious. And you, you weren't fully behind her in that way. You didn't. You I don't didn't, know. I still have mixed feelings about it. It's very different to this movie, obviously. So how do you feel with her in an action role like this? I mean... Oh, she was good. It ain't the first time we've seen her in an action role. We've There's Aeon Flux mm-hmm. and Mad Max, which is amazing, by the way. This felt more like it was her giving it all her guts, and I like that. Yeah, it was a bit... While it has a really cool edge to this movie that's quite obvious, there's a lot of fancy fashions she wears... She's always got a different outfit, and she pretty much every time she fights, or any time she does anything. Did you notice uh, all the costume yeah. changes on this? Um, so it has this cool air to it. She always wears, you know, she tries to wear sunglasses quite often, as it on the cover. But yeah, it's just like down and dirty fighting. I really appreciated on the extras seeing her doing a training because it looked like she really was throwing mm-hmm. herself into that training. Couldn't do that kind of training for long without hurting yourself, right? I don't know. I think that's the idea of training with professionals is you know how to do the moves and not get hurt. So as far as like the acting performance, taking the stunts to one side, she did her own stunts in this, like like a Tom. She played a Tom Cruise thing, but uh, the acting itself, I'm not hundred percent convinced. I mean, like I say, there's some really dodgy dialogue. I don't think it's down to her, though. I just think it's like... The They're way trying to be extra cool, and yeah. I don't think she's at fault for that. No. It, it, but when you have to think about the person. We were talking to her in that room when she's already been through all of this. And once we know the rest, there's this, like, you know. Yeah. I just have to do this shit. Yeah, <laughs> and so I felt like she's playing the role of playing a role of playing a role, and so that gets watered down, and it's gonna maybe gonna sound a bit stilted, and that's kind of how it sounded. But there's no yeah. doubt she's good because mm-hmm. I mean I liked her in the whether I liked the last face or I didn't like the last face. It's, it's I'm kind of weirded on it. It's a bit weird movie. She was good. She act her acting part in that movie was great. Um, so yeah, I like her as an action hero. I would like, um, I was going to say I'd like her to meet John Wick in a movie. How cool would that be? Nah. John Wick and Atomic Blonde. I don't know what it is with you and these crossover things. You it's can't do a crossover though, can you? Because the timelines are wrong. She'd be a, she'd be a, because why? Bitch. What is this bullshit? Like Superman versus Batman. Oh wait, somebody did that. Talking about, um, everybody John, needs to just John leave Wick. everything the way it is. Talking about John Wick was, uh, talking about who? John Wick. Right. Is that, um, he, uh, she actually trained with. Um, I don't know if that's true. Did yeah, she well, say that? I just read it in an interview. We didn't see it in the inter- in the stuff. And she trained with eight stuntmen, and she trained with um, Keanu Reeves. Uh, Keanu Reeves was preparing for John Wick two, and she trained with him. Right. So that doesn't mean he trained her. The man just ended up in the same place. No, it said he trained her. That's what that interview said. But if you don't believe it. Fine. I'm not saying I don't believe it. I'm just saying we have no evidence of that except for what you're saying. <laughs> um, James McAvoy plays David Percival. He, and uh, you might be a spy trying to convince me of something. I don't trust anybody. 
James McAvoy had recently come off Split, and then he he did this straight after. Um, in I Split, like how you have to start over every time if I interrupt you. <laughs> it's one of my favorite features about you. Go ahead, start again. <laughs> well, you can just continue. No, I'm saying I just love it when you do that. Are you going to talk about his broken arm? No, I'm saying Jay, he is in it. Plays True. David Percival. And uh, he's an what, what do you think of him? I mean, he's always fine. Do you not think like he was incredible in Split, playing all those different people? Um, I didn't think he was incredible. No, it was good. It was fine. And in this, he's just an unhinged, you know, led to believe he's an unhinged rogue agent, British agent. And he's a bit, you know, he's drunked up, he's into drugs, he's into, like, trading, it looks like. You know, kind of taking advantage of his position. He's hoarded up a bunch of jeans and cigarettes. And so, because he's right on the line of the East and West Berlin, um, then he's... It looks like he's into some crazy dodgy stuff, and he fits that just right. Yeah, I think he likes. Uh, he wakes up one morning. There's a couple of women in his bed. He's got a load of books, so he's like, he's not an idiot. He's pretty clever, right? He's got because um, he reads books and has sex with women. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he, I think uh, he's. Uh, I think he just does it right. Yeah, he um, he has a danger, James McAvoy. Often, for me, he gets he goes a bit out there with his performances, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. You know, like in Split, it made sense because they were lunatic. He was kind of a lunatic. <laughs> I mean, he was a schizophrenic person, and some of them were mad and crazy, and some of them were pretty reined in. And but he has a tendency to skirt the line, I think, of being kind of like a crazy person. Kind of like Brad Pitt in his early days when he played those kind of roles. Mm-hmm. But in like, this case, it works. Yeah, it worked in this movie. Um, yeah, he was pretty good. And he got to, you know, got into some fighting. He had to, he had to fight with a woman. Yep. It was pretty hardcore. Uh, Eddie Marsden, or Eddie Marsden, plays Spyglass. I've always liked him. He's a British character actor. You'll have seen him in, hmm, what will you have seen him in? Sherlock Holmes? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of him? And Happy People, or what that was called? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was the creepiest in that. He was this, the, I'll be honest, he could have been anybody. He didn't really... It could have been anybody. He didn't Happy do Go Lucky. Happy Go Lucky. Yeah, he was creepy in that one. In this one, for me, it's just one of those roles that he's just in the middle of stuff. He's not... His character might be pivotal, because he's, like, you know, being passed around between these spy people... But the person doesn't say much, do much, you know. So I'd, I feel like it could have been anyone. Yeah, I, I really like him as an actor. And I liked how he portrayed this guy, Spyglass, is not a fighter or a brave guy or anything like that. No. He's just a guy who's got some information. And the part where she's having to protect him, she says, I've never lost a package. Package meaning him. Mm-hmm. And she has to protect him in that fight scene that goes on for a while. His, <laughs> you can see that, like, he acts that he is scared. Like, this is, my life is threatened here. And he's, there's parts where he's running between rooms and you can see he's just, like, terrified. I've got I wasn't to get sympathetic to him, though, because I thought he was really weak. So I didn't like it. Yeah, well, he's not, 
He wasn't he's the kind of guy who's not built for that kind of environment. He's like, nope, I need to not be here. And uh, but I really liked it, especially when he was in the car. He's good. I like him. John Goodman as Emmett Kurtzfield. We all know John Goodman. Also good about anybody. Yeah, John Goodman seems to crop up a lot these days, doesn't he? In like, I mean, he was in what was he been in this year that we've seen a lot, right? Not a lot, but he was in Kong Skull Island. He was in... Was he in Kong's? Yeah, he was. He was in um, 10 Cloverfield Lane. He's in this. What else was he in? I've, I've just rem- I seem to remember him. He was in him Flight. As- huh? He was in Flight. No, that wasn't this year, though, was it? Uh-uh. But anyway, uh, John Goodman tends to do these... Um, they put him in like an FBI kind of guy. He just has to say some expository stuff like he does in this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of boring. He's convincing as as it. I always find, but some I can't. <laughs> he's one of those actors now where I'm like, oh look, there's John Goodman. You know? Yeah. I don't feel like I don't think of the character. I just think of him like it's weird. But um, he seems to be. I mean, he's fine, right? He's is it's. I'm fine. neutral on John, and Goodman. it's not like um, <laughs> he's not in it a lot to be honest. Toby Jones plays Eric Gray. You'll know Toby Jones, or we know Toby Jones, from Wayward Pines. He's like the mastermind behind Wayward Pines. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also in the Marvel movies and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, what do you think of him? Uh, he was fine, again. Always just sat at a table and just talked and asked some questions and wasn't really that impactful. See, I have a thing about him that he seems creepy. Yeah, in this, he's not supposed to be creepy, is he? No. <laughs> But I have a creepy vibe to him now. After watching Wayward Pines, there's something creepy about him. And finally, Sophia Butella, who was in another spy film, Kingsman, last mm-hmm. year. And uh, we also just seen her in The Mummy, as The Mummy. And uh, I really like her. I think she's really good. In this movie, I think she gets to be more of a character. In The Mummy, she was just, yeah. just the thing coming towards you that's scary. And in Kingsman... While I really loved her character in Kingsman, she was an amputee. She had no legs, but she was a badass. She had no character development, really, did she? She barely ever spoke. Correct. And in this, we actually get to see like some emotion from her because she does um, become uh, spoilers, like a love interest for Charlize in this. And uh, you actually get again, though it's it's not. I'm, we, I need to see her in like a dramatic role. I think she'd do pretty good in it. Yeah, but there's a little bit of uh, get to know her a bit. So yeah, I really liked her. She's good. Directed by David Leach. Leach. Um, he actually co-directed John Wick because it was one of those movies that's directed by two people, and uh, he is doing Deadpool two for Marvel next, which is a action movie, and I'm sure he can do it well because he seems to me like he's. On the ball with action, right? That it's yeah. like next level action, you know. Um, while he's only directed these two films, he has been on the. He's made many um, action movies throughout the years, like like lots of them, Jean Claude Van Damme movies, um, lots of action movies from the nineties. Uh, he was on the fight. Um, the cameraman who, who does fight stuff, he was he was did that a lot. So he knows what action stuff is. And I think he's really awesome. Like, um, even when he was talking, 
he's a person who's into it. You know, like sometimes you see see these people on extras, and they talk about, you know, blah blah blah. He seemed like he was interested in putting interesting fight scenes on the Definitely. screen, not just, you know, I'm just here to make a paycheck. <laughs> he didn't seem like that kind of guy. Didn't so, seem. I mean, never know. Like that now. guy from Annabelle Creation that we watched last week. That seemed like a guy who was in into the horror genre. Definitely. And making horror films. This guy seems like he's inter- interested in making action films. Oh, he's a really good actor. So, extras. As you get up and walk away. You're, supposed, you're not supposed to narrate my every move. <laughs> then, uh, then I could get away with it on the fake nah. radio. I'm not a liar, man. I'm um, lying. I had to go away to get the cover so I could mention the extras' names. There's deleted and extended scenes. Welcome to Berlin. Blondes have more gun. See what they did there. Spymaster, and uh, Anatomy of a Fight Scene. Anatomy of a Fight Scene is really good. It takes that sequence, the long one-take sequence in the middle, and it the director's in the corner in a little window, and he talks about it, and it cuts from the sequence to the training parts of the you know her doing the training for the sequence, so you get to see behind the scenes as it's going along. It's really good. It's well put together. There's a feature commentary with the director and the editor, and there's a story in motion with commentary by director. So it has a bunch of extras. Um, that one is particularly good, I think, where it shows you how they did the fight scene. Um, they showed you, like, they make sponge versions of stairs that still look like wood, and you would never know they were sponge. No, it's crazy. In fact, when you watch the movie, when they tell you that those stairs are kind of soft... And then I'm looking at the movie, and I'm looking at them walking on them. I'm, like, I'm still convinced. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> not. Wood. Spo- they don't look spongy when they're walking on them. It's really crazy, like how it's all done. So yeah, when they throw somebody down the stairs, it, instead of the stairs being like marble, they're um, still going to hurt. Still going to hurt, but not quite as much. So, um, in conclusion, uh, for Atomic Blonde, I, I enjoyed recommend it. it. I liked it. Yeah, it's a um, surprise. Uh, I don't know if I'd recommend it to everyone because it's pretty violent. It's not exactly highly intellectual or anything, but, you know, if you like fights and you like that the era of spies and stuff. It's know. got a good vibe. It's got great music. I went and got the soundtrack almost immediately. It's uh, 80s. Um, new, it starts with New Order's Blue Monday. So, I mean, geez, I was like, yes, I'm in. You know, as soon as New Order pumped on, it's got, um, what, what are the songs? It's got 99 Love Balloons by Naina. It's got... David Bowie, it's got um, George Michael, you know, it's it's got songs from the 80s are in this movie, like a mixtape of the 80s. Um, So yeah, I recommend um, Atomic Blonde, it's definitely worth a watch if you like the action kind of thing. So uh, thanks to Universal for the Blu-ray, if you want to enter a contest and win a copy of Atomic Blonde uh, from Monday, you can go to aschooler.com and win a copy on Blu-ray. Um, it's definitely worth winning so next week's Blu-ray review will be Cars 3 from Disney we'll take a look at that next week so movie recommendations what are we going with this week I am going on the theme of Atomic Blonde movies that I liked that are in a similar vein number one will be Salt with uh, Angelina Jolie you like that movie right? Mm-hmm. It's a. it's not quite as gritty as this one it's more Hollywoody if you get what I mean, it's not. It's nobody stabbing people in the throat in in salt, but it's a good. I mean, this one's got style and that kind right. of mixed together. I think 
Salt's more um, more of a Mission Impossible kind of Hollywoody type movie, but uh, it's pretty good. And um, it was uh, from quite a while back. And the other one, I was thinking of James McAvoy, and it just happens to have Angelina Jolie in it as well. And that is Wanted, which is a it's set in Russia, and it has this grimy feel to it that this Berlin. Um, pre-wall coming down vibe gave me. Kind of grimy and dull. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This movie, by the way, um, Atomic Blonde, they suck all the colour and everything. It's kind of grim looking, isn't it? Kind of, It's not very colourful. Sometimes it's pretty grayed up. Yeah. yeah, and it's pretty... There's rain and, you know, there's the sequence with all the umbrellas. It's, it's kind of dreary. And I like dreary, like, days with rain and stuff, so this movie has that. So what are your uh, recommendations? Mine are... Let me get over to it here. I'm going to start with the nice, cheery holiday season, but not holiday movies. I'm not like you. I don't need to line my recommendations up with the movie I just watched because I like to go somewhere else with it. And this time I'm going to go with Tangled, which is a fun animated movie that I don't know that a lot of people have heard of or interested in. New telling of, you know... uh What's her name with the long hair? Rapunzel. Yes. <laughs> and the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Because it's really fun and it looks really cool and it's got good good vibe. I tell you what does look really cool. Wes Anderson's new movie. It's another stop motion one. And it looks so detailed. Like it makes Fantastic Mr. Fox look not very detailed. Do you get what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like tiny little details. I was looking at the trailer for it, I was like, oh my god. It, and it looks fun. It's in. It's kind of like a spiritual successor to Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's that kind of kid-friendly but quirky as well. You know what I mean? Right. I can't wait to see that, whatever it's called. <laughs> so games and a scully stuff this week. I um, got a 10-hour uh, free trial of Need for Speed Payback from uh, EA to look at. And I've, I've probably, I've, I think I've spent five hours playing it. And it's the new Need for Speed game that's actually released on the 10th of November coming up. Um, and it is basically, without the name, Fast and the Furious Need for Speed. It's about heists stealing expensive sports cars, which sounds familiar, right? And it, um, say, you know, the reason it's called Payback is there's some guy who owns a casino who, like, wrongs you at the beginning, and then the whole game is you working up, working all your way back to take out this guy's casino with this big massive heist at the end. But it is a car racing game, and you're thinking, how can you do heists? Well, you don't really. Like, some of the missions, there's, there's ordinary races in it, and there's an open world where you go around collecting stuff and doing jumps and, like, the old Need for Speed. But then there are these story missions every so often, and the first heist one, which is the only one I could play because it's just a trial version, is you're trying to steal the top guy's $2 million sports car. He's transporting it in the back of this truck, and you you, you and your crew drive. You know, you have to drive. You have to drive up to the side of the truck. One of you jumps on, you jumps, goes inside, gets in the car, and then drives the car out the back of the truck. Like, it's all a big sequence. And you're, like, involved, you know, by driving. So I don't know how the heists 
go further on into the game because you, there's never a moment where you actually get out of the car. It's just a driving game. There's no walking around. So I'm assuming the heists will always involve just driving. Driving away from heists or driving to heists. I, I don't understand how they'll work actually later in the game. But the game looks really good. You know, it's Need for Speed. They pretty much bring one out every year. They didn't last year because they took a break because the one before didn't go down too well, so they took it back to the drawing board. What's weird about this game is the lead guy in it, this is weird for me, is uh, I watch a British soap opera called EastEnders, and there was a guy in that called Andy. He was a builder. If you watch EastEnders, you might remember who he was. He was, uh, who was he exactly? He was the adopted brother of the daughter who died of one of the characters who's also dead now. Yes, but that's pretty vague because there's no <laughs> names mentioned. Well, um, Roxy's daughter, Danielle, Danielle. who died, who yeah. she gave up for adoption, was adopted by another family. And the, the adopted brother right. came back to avenge her death. So I like to call him Andy the Builder because he was a builder. Because uh, Jack was doing some building and he... he Hired Andy as his builder. So Andy the Builder is like the main character in Need for Speed. So all I can do now, whenever there's a cutscene or I see him in the car, it's like Andy the Builder has left Albert Square and now he's like trying to do heists. It's very weird. So um, if you want to follow Andy the Builder's adventures, Need for Speed Payback. It uh, comes out next week. Uh, Destiny 2, I've been playing some more of. I've kind of got to the part of Destiny 2 where I've finished the campaign and I've grinded a bit to get some good loot. And now I'm at the bit where I'm not leveling up very much anymore because there's not much left for me to do. And I'm feeling like it's almost like the end of the game because there's very little to do. They have like a reset every week where you can do a few things, weekly events they call them. But once I've done the weekly events, it's like there's not... There's no story missions left. And, you know, it's running out of content, which is kind of weird for, you know, I only played it for two weeks and I've nearly run out of content. And I think the problem is, because it's so similar to the first game, there's no surprise. You just kind of know what you're supposed to do. There's no like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Well, you already knew because you played another version of Destiny. So now I just kind of went on this track. I kind of knew what I was doing. I leveled up really, really quickly. And now I've almost got to the point where I can't level up anymore. And they would have to add something new. Otherwise, I'm going to drift off it. It's kind of weird because Overwatch, I play that every day. (laughs) I've played it every day since it came out. And that has less to do than Destiny. It's just collecting all the stuff's really cool. Once it gets to a point where there's no collecting to do because you got most of it, that's where it trails off for me. So Destiny needs to do something to keep to keep me interested. They probably will. And finally, we watched Stranger Things 2. We finished it off this week. How did you like that? It was really good. That was a great review of that. Well, you, you're, I love it, but elaborate. you're like in love with it. So the Stranger Things 2. You elaborate. Well, I was just talking a lot about my game, so I was bringing you into the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, but you're more of a, like, I love it. I think it's fun, and it's really entertaining, and I'm totally... And as soon as that it starts up and the logo thing kicks in, I'm totally there. But I don't think I have the same affection, the deep 
affection that you do for it. Now, I like it because of the 80s nostalgia. Obviously, it's, mm-hmm. it, it loves Spielberg movies and Terminator movies and what, like the Warriors. I saw a bit in this one. Oh, you know what? The um, I was listening to the Duffer Brothers. You know that seventh episode? The one that's kind of different to all the rest? No. Um, the one where she goes to meet with us, with the mm-hmm. other people. Didn't feel that different. Well, it doesn't take place in the Stranger Things place. It's somewhere else, right? Right. That that whole thing they wanted to, you, you know, um, Empire Empire Strikes Back, where Luke goes to the Dagobah system to see Yoda. Mm-hmm. That was their whole vibe with that episode. Meets the warriors. Mm. It was Yoda. I didn't go, get that. Go to meet. Go to meet Yoda. Learn something about how you can use your powers that you didn't really twig onto before. That mm. was their the whole vibe for that because they love Star Wars. So that kind of makes. I, you don't see it at all. I do. No. Well, after they told you. Yeah. After they right, told but they shouldn't have to it. tell you, and then you go, "Oh yeah, now I get it." You should just get it. Otherwise, well, they're just feeding you bullshit. <laughs> I mean, you're falling for what they're telling you after the fact. If you didn't see it to begin with, well, there are. T- um, I don't think. It, I don't think this season um, was as nostalgic as the first season was. The first season really played on the ET and all that True. kind of stuff. This one, I, I, I do like actually that they stopped being so obvious with it and dropped it a bit because they actually got to tell the story. If there's anything I didn't like about Stranger Things two, was that. They separated Eleven from the main group for, like, too long. There's, there's like, I think she, when she's with her group of people, there's something really magical about that. And they separated it for all of it, really, didn't they, until the end. I kind of like that, because then when they are back, it's not all the samey-same. Otherwise, she's just there to save the day no matter what happens. So, what's interesting about that? Nothing. But when she shows up and she can... When they've exhausted all of their own resources and they've figured out their own shit, then that's when she comes for the stuff that they can't do. So that's why I liked about it. Um, and I thought it had a pretty good ending. Obviously sets it up for another one, which they're doing. And um, I think all the kids are really good actors. There's nothing that really stands out. I particularly liked... Um, I don't know his name, but you know the... Yeah. That guy. (laughs) That you'll only know what I mean if you watch the show. But I really like that kid. Yeah, I can't even do it either. There's something really personable about him that makes me, like, smile every time he talks. And he has some funny lines as well. But, yeah, it's a really cool show. If you like um, kind of supernatural stuff and it, you know, throwback to the 80s, it's on Netflix, Stranger Things 2, and then Stranger Things 3 will be next year. So, um... What is for dinner? Subway. <laughs> Subway. That's the easy answer, yeah. Subway or Jimmy John's. Uh, if I don't feel like going all oh, the way over Subway, Subway much I know, better. but it's if you want to go get it, that's cool. But if I decide at the moment I don't want to get out of the car, I just want to do the drive through, then it'll be Jimmy John's. If I choose to go all the way because it's further, then it'll be Subway. So we'll see. Either way, it's going to be a sandwich and some chips. And your advice is. Learn a new skill. Like, I know you can say learn something every day. Well, we all can learn something every day. I can ask the A word over there. Ask it. <laughs> Alexa, tell me a fact. 
Sean Connery turned down the role of Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings. Will Smith turned down the role of Neo in The Matrix. There you go. Sean Connery <laughs> was going to be Gandalf. You know what was awesome and about Neo that? Was it was be... <laughs> it was movie related. It was. <laughs> it's like he knew what we were talking about. <laughs> they might not have heard that. I don't know because he's kind of far over there. But no, okay, I'm sure I learned those things. They might be trivial, but I learned something. But that doesn't really touch what I'm saying. Learn a skill. When I was a kid, my grandma taught us all, really superficially, how to make like frosting flowers and stuff for wedding cakes and birthday cakes because she did that for in the town where we lived and i've never really revisited it much and now i'm catching up on that and learning it again all the new stuff that can go with it and it's so stimulating you know i may only use it a couple times but this thing of like exploring something you've just never done it's, it's like it sparks your hope it's like a fire in your brain like oh oh i can do that i can do that because i never doubt that i can do a thing i don't have that thing well, oh i'll probably screw it up or well i don't have time to do that or the dreaded well i wish i had time to learn how to do stuff but i'm so busy i have to say though you are scared of some things because i'll say you'll say i've really always wanted to learn this painting thing or mm -hmm. whatever and i'll say oh just paint me something like that and you'll go oh, i don't know if i can do it no i don't think i can't do it i know what it requires and i'm lazy <laughs> that's the truth i believe i know if you if i gave myself enough time and instruction and the right materials, and the right attitude, all combined, I could sit there and paint anything, draw anything. I probably can't draw anything anyway. But I'm lazy, and some of those things are so technical that I'm not going to achieve anything by being lazy about it. And that's the reality of who I am. However, when I learn a new skill like this, the cake decorating... I can do it. I feel proficient at it enough. If I, if someone were to want me to bake them a cake, I could do it. And then I'm kind of over it, you know, and it's very hands-on. It's very like, I don't know. I just love the process of it. I don't know that I would love the process of really strictly learning to do, you know, like a Leonardo da Vinci type of a painting because I don't necessarily care about the outcome of that. Other kinds of paintings I would do, but yeah, I'm just lazy. I know the effort, and there's a difference between going, eh, I don't really want to do it, and oh, I could never do it. So just learn a new skill. Anything. Anything at all. Anything you like. Well, you don't know if you like it yet, do you? No. You don't know until you try it. And if you don't try it, don't. if you don't like it, don't continue. It's not like you've committed unless you pay for... You know, I know better than to pay for 20 painting classes because I might get bored in the first two and then never go back. True. But YouTube is a great teacher <laughs> when it comes to things like cake decorating or caricature drawing. That's one thing I know I can do. I just haven't committed the time and the effort to do it. And I've watched lots of videos on it and I'm really excited to do it. And then I don't do it. I don't know why. Lazy. So let me remind you about our websites, ascully.com and sidsover.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on the uh, Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store, or the RSS feed. Go to ascully.com, click on the word podcast. You can subscribe or just listen from the page. Let's try a live demo and see if this works. You can also, if you have an Amazon Echo like we do in this room now, 
you can say, <laughs> Alexa, listen to After the Show movie podcast on TuneIn. Getting the latest episode of After the Show movie podcast. Here it is from TuneIn. There you go. There it is. And there's, there's us, I guess. You're listening to the Ace Fully. <laughs> Alexa, stop. So, and this yeah. is not a commercial for the Echo. We just <laughs> happen to really like it, and we've bought both of them. And and I did go out of the way to get our podcast put on the TuneIn service. So that's all you need to say, and it will come up with the latest one. Um, and the thing is, if someone was listening to this... <laughs> it, yeah, it would well, have automatically been playing. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I didn't trigger your um, Echo. A-word. We call it the A-word around here. Because yeah, we call it the A-word <laughs> unless we need to ask her something. Alexa, when do I put the clocks back? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know that. <laughs> well, that is useless. Alexa, when is daylight savings time? In 2017, daylight savings time in the United States began on Sunday, March 12th, and will end on Sunday, November 5th. That Thank means you. that in most time zones on November 5th, the clock will fall back from 3 a.m. to 2 a.m. So remember, remember, the 5th of November, that is when you put the clocks back. <laughs> That's a good reason to remember. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, put your clocks back and email feedback to me at aschoolyaschoolyacom. Don't email Sid Talk. And finally, I want to say stay classy, Charlize Theron. She is called Theron, not Theron. Thank That's you. what she says. That's what she said. That's what she says. And I'm going to say, think for yourself or someone's going to do it for you. Hast du etwas Zeit für mich? Singe ich ein Lied für dich von 99 Luftballons auf ihrem Weg zum Horizont? Denkst du vielleicht gerade an mich? Dann singe ich ein Lied für dich von 99 Luftballons, das sowas von sowas kommt. 